Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Style That Binds Us podcast. Today, we are very excited to have Jennifer Justice on our show. She is an entertainment and live experience executive known for her expertise in building artist careers and business portfolios by marrying art and commerce. From the beginning of her career, she has championed gender equality and diversity in the workplace. As general counsel and EVP at Rock Nation, she helped structure the vision and growth, and she served as Jay-Z's personal entertainment attorney for 17 years, as well as Beyonce's attorney for one year while she was at Rock Nation. She has worked with clients such as Mark Ronson, Outkast, Rihanna, and more. And then in 2019, she founded the Justice Department, which is a management strategy and legal firm that works with entrepreneurs, executives, talent, brands, and creatives to build and maximize their value, focusing in the areas of tech, consumer product, finance, media, entertainment, and fashion. She has been named a game changer by Goop and by InStyle as one of the 50 badass women changing the world in 2020. And she is on Billboard's Women in Power list. She has been on that list three times. She's been featured on the Today Show and is a regular contributor on NBC News. Thank you for being here. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Oh my God, thank you for that intro. <laughs> awesome one. You are so incredible and we cannot wait. Such a strong, powerful woman. We cannot wait to tell everyone all about your career and your company. So do you want to start by walking us through your career path? Sure. Um, well, I started, how early do you want me to go into? Because I, you know, we could be here for hours otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think the whole journey is incredible. Just the fact, it's kind of like when I started in fashion, I just kind of came up with that. Like you didn't have necessarily examples of right. law in your life. You just kind of, you were interested in music. So I think as far back as you want to go. <laughs> yeah, so I, um, you know, I went to, I'm from very meager means, my family is, and we are from, we lived in Washington State, and I actually did really well in school, so I wanted to, um, I really wanted to go to college, and I really wanted to kind of get out of the cycle of poverty we were living in, and I ended up, I really wanted to go to Stanford, but you know, it was really expensive at the time. So I ended up going to University of Washington, which is a really great school. But, you know, when I graduated, I realized how helpful it would have been to have, you know, parents who'd gone to the same track or career path or something, right. um, because I didn't really know what to do afterwards. I thought it was just going to like appear, you know, and I'd go to the guidance counselors or career counseling center, and they would send me on wine distribution or insurance sales. It just wasn't even helpful. I'm like, this is not my destiny. So I, you know, continue, I decided I was going to go to law school um, and get, you know, because you, all I knew is what was on TV, you know, lawyer, doctor, banker. And so I went to law school um, and I ended up getting into Cornell, which was great. But right before I left, I was living in Seattle and, you know, I was on my way to law school and they were like, where are you going to law school? Oh, you should be a music attorney. We all have music attorneys and they're women, like all the bands that were like big in Seattle at the time, because Seattle is tiny. You actually, you know, got to meet a lot, everybody. So, um, and uh, compared to New York anyway, New York is tiny. I mean, Seattle is tiny. And so we, um, I ended up deciding that I want to be music entertainment law um, a lawyer. And, um, and so that's kind of my journey, you know, started like 
that, you know, the seeds of the journey started there. I then graduated law school, went to a large firm called Hughes, Hubbard and Reed, where I was for a year to learn how to be a real lawyer, because when you become a music entertainment attorney, you're not really like practicing, you know, deep, you know, like writing legal briefs and doing a bunch of research. It's just more like negotiation and more, a little more akin to what people would think of as an agent. So I then became, um, I then started at a firm called Cotico, Carol, Guido, and Groffman. And the first client assigned to me at that time was a very young Jay-Z. So he and I grew up in the business together. I became partner, a partner there within three years and grew that practice. I then, you know, Jay-Z obviously, you know, take my career and times it by, you know, a million, you know, and he, you know, he became massive. And then uh, I did the deal, I was part of the team that did the deal for him to start Rock Nation. And then I went in-house to Rock Nation, became the uh, general counsel, and then uh, grew into a position to become the um, EVP doing strategic marketing and business development because Jay-Z turned his hobbies into business and we were businesses we were helping the other artists on the roster you know build businesses around their brands as well uh after a little over five years ago just about five years ago actually i left and became the president of superfly it's a live experience company that started bonnaroo and outside lands and it's just started an agency and we're really figuring out how to build up their capabilities is a live experience company and then, you know, all told, I'd been doing a lot of work internally, working for other companies, in particular working for men. Um, but always in my quote-unquote spare time, I had been representing women and seeing the vast disparity in pay for women, regardless if you're an artist or an executive or anything. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to use all this experience that I have gathered over the last 20 years. And I want to, you know, in doing strategy and business development and legal and management, and I want to solely focus that on women. And so I started doing, started the justice department, and that's what we do. We're a business advisory, management, strategy um, company as well as, and we have a law firm, and we represent ninety eight percent women. That Amazing. is incredible. Okay, so Jennifer, tell us, you made partner in three years, which is incredible. How did that happen? Um, I think I was just really enthusiastic about it and ambitious, and it came naturally. One of the reasons I knew that I did not want to stay at a big Wall Street firm was that I really wanted to, you know, I wanted to elevate and get promoted, but you can't really do that without being able to get clients. It's really mm. hard to get clients when you don't have a lot of connections mm -hmm. in big, massive companies to their in-house counsel. And a lot of that has to do with a network of who you know. Cool. And I wasn't coming from New York. I didn't know anybody. I didn't grow up here. I didn't, you know, go to prep school. I didn't go to private school with all of their parents. Like, I just wasn't going to be able to get clients. But I did come from a background where most of the artists came from. And that is, you know, from more meager means. Most of them didn't graduate from high school or college, you know. Right. Um, and so I, I identified with that. That's awesome. And they identified with you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, which is huge. I think that's huge. You can just imagine how you would get lost, plus you would feel to talk down to and everything else if you hired somebody from a big firm. Um, I really liked, uh, Jay said that you had talked about 
the idea that unless, I guess this is especially important for women, unless you ask for it, the answer is going to be no. So don't be afraid to ask. How, and let's discuss that. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think that's even when you're a parent, right? You're like, you know, you get it. You don't get it unless you ask for it. You have to use your words, you know. And for some reason, we start learning and, you know, and it's fed to us in media and it's fed to us in, you know, in other ways you're supposed to be ladylike, you know, to be not be controversial or ask for things or that's rude or we don't talk about money and that's not that has not served us whatsoever that has served the patriarchy that has not served women to advance so we have to be comfortable hearing ourselves talk and asking for things that we deserve because it's not going to get handed to us and you know i've gotten some you know some really bad advice over my career. Thankfully, I did not listen to it, which is like, just put your head down and work and it'll all come. Right. No, that's not how the guy next to me got his second Hamptons house. Right. You know, <laughs> well, I just put my head down. That's not, that didn't work. Right. Right. Gosh, it's really, it's so unfortunate that, that that's, that that has been sort of inbred in all of us for generations. I mean, it's really, really hard as a woman to, to incorporate that into, you know, your psyche, to really believe it, you know, like you can hear it, but to actually, when it comes down to it, it's still hard for me, you know, right. at the eight. So that's, it's just needs to be really hammered home um, in some way. So it's great that you are, you know, getting the message out and we'll continue trying to practice it ourselves and get the message out. It's easy for me to tell other women, my clients, it's just yeah, of course. me, myself to do it, which is so frustrating. It's okay, though. It's, that's hard for everybody. I think male and female, it's hard to advocate for yourself. That's why you always hire an advocate for you. Yes, beyond. I know. <laughs> that's so true. And one of the things I was listening to a podcast episode that you were interviewed on, The Skim, and you were talking about thinking, figuring out what makes you different. How can you stand out? Mm-hmm. Especially, you know, when you were saying like walking around Cornell campus and there were a lot of your friends or people that you knew that their last names were on buildings. So right. how, if you're starting from that place, how are you going to stand apart from the rest? Yeah, I think, you know, every, everybody has their unique capabilities. And when you are doing something you're super passionate about and, you know, you have that grit and research behind you to know exactly what that, what that you know, job entails plus that like willingness to really work for something, you know, it's hard to deny that passion in somebody um, and taking the initiative. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when you're doing things that you really care about and you have purpose behind it, it makes it a lot easier. Yeah, sure. This is one that I definitely struggle with and I'm sure most people do. How can women make sure that they receive what they deserve in terms of salary? Well, that's a hard one. We're dealing with that issue constantly. And when I started the Justice Department, one of the things that I was so shocked by, not having been in the kind of private marketplace for 10 years, because I went in-house with Jay-Z, is how little the pay discrepancy had changed. In fact, it stayed exactly the same mm-hmm. amount because of COVID has gone backwards. Oh, it's shoot. It's unbelievable to me. 
It's like, how hard is it to pay women the same as men? You know, and you ask a man that, and especially in charge, and they give you all the different reasons. And well, it's just not the same, and they don't bring in the same money, and they don't do this. Well, have they been given the same opportunities to do that? Have right. they been introduced to all the same people? Have they gone to the same sporting events with you or golf games with you right. or, you know, been invited because it'd be weird if it was a single woman, but if it's a single man to invite them out to things, you know, right. all those things. It's right. just like you're not walking into the room with the same opportunity. Right. That's so to get the same amount of pay, you know, we need to band together as a collective and fight for it. And those men who do say that they care need to actually do something about it. Right. It takes a conscious effort and it takes a real willingness to stand up and ask the right questions. Right. And I think it's interesting, you know, with men, when you ask them about their daughter, you know, do you want your daughter to have equal pay? Of course. But then when you, you know, when they look at it from as a group, it's a whole, it's a whole different thing. And that thing about, well, you know, he's supporting a whole family. She's not that kind of thing. It's just so. Yeah. Which is nobody's business. No that is nobody's business. That is not what this is about. You know, right. having a daughter does not make you a decent man. Having a wife right. doesn't make you a decent man. So be a decent person, regardless of the fact that you have a daughter. <laughs> right. It's just, they feel threatened, I think. Um, but the other thing is how can you even find out like what the men are making versus what you're making? I think a lot of it, look, there's the, you know, is, is asking the questions. It's not, you know, a lot of times people um, and companies try to tell you not to, that your salary is confidential. It's actually against the law. The okay. national, the labor relations act how, other, how else would people unionize unless they were telling each other what they were making? Mm -hmm. um, so you, you need to ask questions. Somebody might not tell you, uh -huh. but a lot of guys actually share um, that kind of information. And so you should ask and do research. There's Glassdoor, you know, there's these things that are worth probably paying a little bit of money for that are available to you, uh -huh. um, services, et cetera. There's, you know, a ton of research out there. Some people, you know, some companies have chosen to make their salaries, um, you know, available to the public so they can show what they're doing. Mm -hmm. uh, I, you know, you, it's a lot of research and legwork. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you're already working in a company, mm -hmm. asking your coworkers what they're making mm -hmm. is totally fine and legal. Okay. Whether or not they're going to tell you is another thing, you know. <laughs> right. Choose wisely when you ask. But also, you know, it goes back to, look, if you're going to get an advocate for you or a headhunter, you know, is, is doing it once you get to a certain level, you know, of, of you know, VP right. or something and above, right. you should, even if you're director level, you should just hire an attorney just to get their input, even if it's for two hours, ah. you know, it's going to be the best thousand dollars you spent mm -hmm. and it allow you, you might like, it might take a pair of shoes out of your closet, but you know what? You'll get right. a lot more later on. Yeah. For the rest it's an investment in yourself. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Well, tell us about the decision to start the company. Like tell us more about the justice department and what, how, what led up to that? Well, I mean, what I was just noticing is, you know, same that we've kind of touched on is that women just are not making the same amount of money as men. And it'll be 200 years in the United States alone until women make the same amount of money as men. Mm -hmm. And 
uh, I know that the world would be a better place if we had the financial equity. Right. So I'm like, I know obviously how to help men make money. So why don't I just do that for women? Yeah. And what I found is, you know, besides the social aspect of not feeling comfortable and being right. Um, money is icky and wanting to be like community and not like <laughs> for the pot. Right. Right. We also aren't trained in it. Like we are not trained in it from the beginning where men are out there and I can already see it. I have seven year old boy, girl twins. And I see that, you know, the dads that he hangs out with are in finance and, and just their talking is going to like pique their interest more. Whereas you know, it's not necessarily among the moms. Sure. For my daughter, um, you know, not all of you know, not all of the moms are working moms, which is totally fine. Not all the dads are working dads either. But you just have this um, language and understanding as young as men into you know young boys into you know teenagers and and high school, college, and thereafter that it's just like ingrained in you. And it's like, if you want to be a working woman, it's not like you graduate college and you go to your college roommate mom network. Right. <laughs> That's so true. Right. And so how can we build that? And how can we be there for each other? Because it's just been proven. Men have had every opportunity to, you know, include us and invite us to the table and they just aren't. And whether or not that's malicious or not, it doesn't matter. They just, it's just not happening. So we have to do it for ourselves. And we have to teach each other and support each other. And, you know, we have to get a little like grittier and tougher in business. I just wanted to leave, you know, this world where my daughter had the same opportunities as my son. Exactly. You know? And when, you know, if she ever asked what I did, I can be like, I, you know, every time I wasn't with you, that's what I was doing. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. I know. I know that's hard. That's awesome. Really, really, really great. Yeah. Yeah. Mother of a daughter myself. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Any tips for negotiating? Well, the first tip I always say is to actually negotiate, right? Like if they're giving you a first offer, what's going to hurt us for 20% more? Oh. You know? And if they're immediately like, no, then you're kind of like, well, why, you know? Yeah. And because you're like anything, getting you a little bit more just sets the tone for the next one, right? Because that's what you're building on. It's really hard. If you get your first offer and you say, you know what, it's $50,000 and you're like, um, I want 60 and you get 55, at least like that next step, you still have more money, right? To build right. off of. Um, and, you know, so I always say like, you know, add 20, 25% each time. It makes it a little, uh, you know, first of all, it's always just better. It's, and, and it shows that you, if you can advocate for yourself, you can really advocate for your company and that's how it should be seen. Mm -hmm. Right. That's such a great way to put it. And do you feel like that, that is the norm when a man goes in to ask, to have it? Yeah. Yeah, what is he asking for? I mean, is he going to negotiate? That's expected, almost. Yeah, I, you know, having interviewed a lot of people and negotiated salaries, absolutely, they're always negotiating for their salaries and negotiating up, or you know, trying to get more work and you know, trying to get promoted. Always. Mm -hmm. mm, I know. One thing I wish I had done when I was at Barney's and 
just career in general is keep a track. You're going to forget of the whole year, what you've done, little things that you've done so that then you can easily bring it up because when you revisit it, you'll probably be like, Oh wow, I did all these things that I didn't even think about. Exactly. Yeah. Places where you save the company money. If you're in an overhead type position, your revenue generator, keep track of all the money that you brought in plus the resources of the company you used and did not use. That was always the thing with me and, and one of my law firms. I'm like, well, I brought in this money, but I also didn't use that much resources, right? Where you brought in, like, you know, you say you brought in three times as much, but you used four times as much of the resources of the company. So your margin is much slower than mine, right? Incredible. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> okay, advice for championing gender equality and diversity in the workplace. I mean, you just have to use your voice and find your, you have to find your um, your tribe, you know, the people who stand there with you and, you know, really build that momentum. Um, and with an understanding of what business really means too, you know, and that, that works on all different levels. Um, you can't change a culture overnight. Right. So, you know, one of the things is if, if you're not sure, like if, if this is what you really care about, which I hope that everybody does, like you have to ask the questions before you get there, you know, and do the research and challenge them. And then, you know, and point these things out, which is, it's just not easy. And that's so much easier said than done. And it sounds very kind of privileged to even say these things, but you know, if we come in there as a collective and and really start using our voices to call out the people who aren't doing it, it's 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 gonna send a message, you know. And more importantly, it's like to do it with your dollars, right? Women have eighty percent of the purchasing power. You know, spend your money in the places where the people care about these issues, mm-hmm. and all the way to the top. So that's not just hiring you know, a female accountant or female attorney, you hire those that don't, you know, not the ones that ladder up into men and feed the patriarch system, like hire the ones that are like where the top is women and diverse, you know? Right. Right. I know it. And also like, it doesn't have to be overwhelming. We can start small. Like you can invite someone to a meeting that maybe in the past wouldn't have had that opportunity. Little small ways. You can do big and small ways to lift other people up. True. Yes, absolutely. And yeah, also I think a lot of people don't have the courage to do it because they feel like, you know, if they do it alone, they might lose their job. So the idea of finding the tribe and binding together yeah. um, is, is, I think, important, right? You've yeah, for sure. Yes. Ways to make it less overwhelming mm-hmm. is that's why I was saying, you know, maybe start right. small. Right. Start small and then find a group of people that come in together so they wouldn't fire the whole lot of you. <laughs> they would have to. Yeah. I mean, you, got, you have to try to, you know, and try to work with solutions and be, you know, have emotional intelligence about the whole thing, understanding that we have for the first time ever five different generations in a workplace, you know, and and my experience and what I put up with is going to be a lot different than a Gen Z, whereas, you know, millennials are still putting up with the same stuff I put up with, um, one generation below me, but like a Gen Z, you know, they might, they might not even think about working at a place like that, right? So, 
you have to kind of like balance it a little bit, understanding again, five generations in a workplace at once. Right. Exactly. Yeah, it is because then my age group would be, you know, in kind of the oldest age group for, you know, working that. Now, did you say you are 58? Yeah. Okay. Well, our, our presidents and Putin, you know, yeah. a lot, like are in their seventies. I know. And I think people are working longer too. So that's, yeah. I, you know, teach my clients all the time that, you know, they are still very relevant and very important and they are definitely not invisible and all that. So, but they bring a different um, paradigm to the table too. So it's interesting to have a multi-generational, yeah. uh, you know, cross section. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. tips on knowing your worth I think it goes back to um, you know again doing the research and finding what other people are are making and whatever you're doing whether or not that's in art creative or you know in um, whatever kind of business that you're in uh, and you know, making sure you're getting all the data, like what all the you know all the boys are making too. So, um, and and just like, and if it's really hard for you to advocate, and like you just have to, you have to silence that inner voice and have that alter ego or that best friend. You know, I, I say all the time, it's like your best friends aren't necessarily the people that you're going to go to when you're negotiating or understanding your worth, they might be this other group that's more and, you know, more right. career-minded, et cetera. So find that group of people. Yes. So, um, so many professional organizations now that you can join, you know, that um, give you a lot of data, you know, women's, like women's groups, um, yeah. from ladies get paid to the wing, to Hey Mama, to a dinner for ladies, to, you know, so, you could do, you know, there's a lot of things that you can join where you can really understand, yeah. like, and find that kind of like more career focused group that can help you navigate through it. Oh, yes. And that's a great, that's great advice. We love an alter ego. We read the book by Todd Herman and Queen Bee obviously has Sasha Fierce. So <laughs> having an alter ego is huge. Yeah. yeah. I think so. All right. What's your favorite thing about music? So you you were a music fan and you had developed these relationships before you decided to go into entertainment law. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, I was a big fan of music. I just felt it was like art form that really like transcends everything, race, religion, sexual orientation, socioeconomic background, you know, really like puts um, yeah. everybody like, uh, you know, people can really bond over it. So right. I always really loved music and it just was always kind of part of my soul. Yeah. And so when I could go in and help musicians and advocate for them, I was like, okay, this is like a win-win for me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I know the creative fields are so incredible and imperative to mm-hmm. life, mm-hmm. but it's so it's not yeah. the biggest money maker. So the it, right. Right. The fact that you help marry art and commerce is incredible. Right. Yeah. We yeah. yeah. It's, amazing. it's been an amazing journey for sure. Uh, I bet it has. Well, I was just thinking about during COVID, what people have turned to, to get through is, you know, the arts, music and literature and things like that. And, 
a lot of those things, you know, even like when we, we were talking to a Broadway star, you know, and she was talking about all what, what New York would be like without Broadway, all the money that it brings in, even through the hotels and the restaurants and all that stuff. It's such a big tourist attraction, but they're not giving any money to the actors relief fund or anything like that. So they're, you know, it's, it's all serious stuff that people really need to take consideration. What would people be surprised to know about musicians? I think what everybody is always surprised about with musicians is that they're just people. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like they go through the same day that we go through. They have the same, you know, ups and downs. And I think one of the things that people think is so glorious is being on tour. And uh, while it can be really amazing, it's still extreme, can be extremely lonely and, you know, isolating because you never know where you're going to wake up, you know? Yeah, exhausting too, I would think. Yeah. Well, it's all interesting. So many things look glamorous from the outside. Exactly, right? Yeah. Um, I remember talking to this, uh, you know, a, a car, a guy that drove cars for rappers down in Miami, and he was talking about how most rappers, very different than what you think. Most of them are very into they're you know be healthy living and working out and they're not big druggies and you know that that perception is kind of is is not really what it's all about sometimes but what do you enjoy most about being a lawyer what, what did, did you? you enjoy when you oh did i enjoy um well i just the ability to like advocate and translate you know something that people find extremely um you know, daunting. It's like, and sometimes because lawyers make it a little bit so. Right. <laughs> and so doing something that like, you know, I know will help them and I know can help them. Um, so, you know, that, you know, that was really it. Yeah. Um, and being able to, you know, get results for them financially that could change their life. You know, that was always, um, what I really loved about it. Oh yeah, that's incredible to be able to do what you love. And, and I still do. I still like represent women. So one of the services that we have is I might not be able to be your actual attorney because it's not a the area that is my expertise. But what I can help is find you the right people to be your attorneys and then be the de facto the general counsel until you can actually hire one. Um, because that's where so many people end up spending so much money on lawyers is just the lawyers explaining to them what everything means and not really deciphering or translating it in a digestible manner or, you know, sending these emails that are like seven paragraphs long, which take forever to draft because you have to get every word right as a lawyer and being that kind of mouthpiece in between. And it, I know that I can save people legal fees by being that person and not taking advantage of the people who don't have any experience of having lawyers. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. What does the life of an entertainment lawyer look like? Um, it is, you know, it's a dual role. It's a lot of work by day in an office and paperwork and just as you would think, but your clients happen to wear a lot of very colorful outfits for the most <laughs> part. Um, <laughs> 
up much later. So afternoons are really when the meetings happen. And then there's a lot of nighttime activities. Well, when they're touring, this is pre-COVID and I'm sure it'll happen again. Right. But, you know, going out at night, business dinners, client dinners, always late, studio visits, shows, you know, you know, a lot of that kind of stuff. So right. it's like, um, so it can be, it's really fun and eclectic at the same time, you know? Yes. And on the skim episode, you were talking about how then all of a sudden at one point a client said they were uncomfortable with you staying out late, but then your male counterparts, they never mentioned that that was an issue. Yeah, of course. Double standard happens all the time. Still happens to this day. You know, the music industry hasn't had its Me Too moment. It'll come, but it um, has. It's a very insular, small business. So you know, they they cancel people who don't go along with them, and they um, you know they they promote people who are part of the system. Um, and it's a vicious cycle. But you know, the advent of streaming and the lack of need for a centralized system. You know, it'll have its day. Mm -hmm. sooner rather than later hopefully yeah exactly it's kind of what's the same, yeah, right yeah. same people running it than when i started 20 years ago it's right. kind of insane yeah that is insane <laughs> but that makes me think of all the like the beauty companies that are run by men you know things yeah. like that so the fashion and the beauty industry is kind of being forced into this place too which is yeah like exactly important all right, at what point, now this is important because you've alluded to it several times. So um, what Delia does as part of the style that binds us is she consults with emerging brands to help them navigate, especially right now, what's going on with retail before they can really hire an agent. You know, it's like you don't learn a lot of this stuff in school. So at what point in a person's career can they hire a lawyer to negotiate the salary for them? Like you said, VP level, do you? Well, I think, look, I just did a deal for an entry level position for a woman, you know, who mm -hmm. at least I could explain what everything meant and try to get something that's like was better for her. Right. Um, because while you might expect the salary to be what it is, you know, there's, you, you need to understand how, what your equity means like what a lot of people don't understand is, yeah, they get options. They have to buy them at some point, like, you know, and they have to invest over a certain period of time. And, you know, are you signing away, you know, uh, non-compete, confidentiality, what those, all those things mean, what other perks you get, when can your salary increase? Does it automatically increase? What benefits are you getting? And just to like go through the whole package. So if you could afford it and just to hire somebody to look at it, um, for a couple of hours and negotiate, I think it's worth it. The sooner, the better. Again, I think it's an investment in your future and your life. So That's absolutely incredible. look at everything. Because what you don't get is a place where you're all of a sudden like a VP or higher in a C-suite. You've never had anybody negotiate for you and you realize how far you are behind. Wow. And not only because of salary, but how little you know about that process. And right. then you just like, then like all the other people sitting in a room with you that are executives know what all these terms are. They know what they mean. They know what their liabilities are. They know their obligations outside of just their job. And they know how to inform what, what, what they mean for the people who work for them. Right. Like they know what the company stands for. It's part of your company DNA, whether or not like 
I have a client, Gretchen Carlson, you know, she sued Roger Ailes and, and won. And one of the reasons, you know, why she sued him personally is because she had a arbitration clause and a confidentiality, which means that any kind of sexual harassment was not supposed to be brought up in the public arena of litigation. Women sign these contracts every day. Wow. No, don't sign those. And if you're a female founded company and you have that provision in it, shame on you. Oh. And unfortunately, I've seen some of them that have it. Wow. And I've tried to get it out and their male like lawyers are like, no. And I'm like, do you realize that this is the biggest issue right now? Wow. Like if you think that you have such a great company that has such great practices and you're not going, you're telling us you're not going to sexually discriminate or harass or ageism or any of those wow. kinds of things, then put your money where your mouth is. Right. right. That, that is very interesting. Yeah. Very, very interesting. Mm, there's so much to learn. I think that's great advice though. I think it's what they could make in the long run. It reminds me of some uh, designer friend of mine who, you know, in school, they never taught them much about the business end of it. So when, right. like if Bloomingdale's picked you up, that was such an exciting thing right after school, but they didn't tell you that that meant you would never get in Barney's or certain, you know, you had just really screwed yourself out of if you wanted to be a luxury brand and things like that. You just don't know. So you have to have someone to advocate you, for you. So it's important get that money together as best you can. And at least like you said, and so are you, uh, is your company a resource for that? Like how would someone even know who to find to navigate for them? Yes, my, my company is definitely a resource for that because I'll always want to advocate for them going in so they can understand, you know, that's what the, that's actually the whole premise of our company is to, you know, arm women with the, with the right business terms and understanding um, because also our network is massive, you know, sure access to everybody. Um, so yeah, it is very exciting. Really hopeful. How bad is the gender gap for musicians? Um, you know, it's still pretty bad. It's it's. Um, I mean, it is just across the board what what women get paid versus men. But there's just also less women in the music industry, and so you have you know with little with very few exceptions, you've never heard a song that is written, produced, mixed, and sung by a woman. Um, and I, we, I'm actually part of a group, a company that's trying, that's going to, that is going to change that, um, where we're putting together music with all those four elements. And it's still very much a boys club. And mostly it's because the mixers, songwriters, and, and producers are always chosen from the same kind of, mm. you know, boys club. Mm. And so the, so women can't get in there to try to get a shot. And it's not because they're not good at it. It's because they just don't get the opportunities. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so it's still, you know, from touring to radio play to, um, you know, just preference, just, yeah. you know, all, all around, you know, favoritism, right. you know, going to the same people it just makes me think of the fashion industry again with the photographers you know there are so few female fashion mm -hmm. photographers that are getting to be you know that are shooting things for the cover of Vogue. very interesting stuff i'm just thrilled that we're at a point where at least we're bringing this up you know bringing it out into the open what did yeah. you learn i know everybody asks you this what did you learn from working with jay-z 
I mean, there's a million things I, I learned working with Jay-Z, but I think the, the most um, pertinent one that I've, is, is the ability to say no. Saying no is just as important as saying yes to a deal. Mm -hmm. You know, if it just doesn't work for you, you might think it's the thing that you really wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Just it. You know, just say no. <laughs> so that could be from two aspects. Like it could be from he would say no when he didn't feel good about something, but also you were able to say no to him sometimes when he would bring something up and you didn't feel like it was in his best interest. Yeah, that too. You know, I, w I would, I would like have an opinion, but you know, just everything, like you think that something's going to be great. Like I remember thinking that the firm that I really wanted to work for is this firm Grubin and Dursky. And, you know, when I went in there and I realized it was, you know, 99% men and white men at that, which by the way, it still is to this day, has not changed at all. I'm like, well, how am I ever going to grow here? Right. Back somebody who looks and is like me. Right. Um, and I was devastated. And, you know, it turns out they thought I was too ambitious. Oh my gosh. How classic is that? <laughs> mm. Oh my goodness. Uh, well, I'm glad that you didn't think that you were too ambitious and kind of dampen <laughs> yourself down, which might <clears throat> be easy uh, to do in mm -hmm. a situation like that. Mm -hmm. uh, what did yeah. you like? Oh, do you, anything else to say? No, 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 no. It's just a okay. <laughs> What did you learn from working with Beyonce? Well, she's just such a perfectionist and like, yeah. you know, to really take care in your work and not, doesn't matter how big, like everything matters yeah. and to really take pride in it. She's just, I mean, no one works harder than her at all. It's, it's kind of crazy. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of, obviously a million things I learned from her too, but that was just it's so consistent with her. And do you feel um, in the book that we read, she was mentioned because the way she was brought up and seeing, you know, in church and things like that, that she formed this alter ego to be able to sort of, you know, dance in a more provocative way and have this other fierce persona. Do you feel like she's an example of someone who used an alter ego to, to boost? Yeah, her I think, you no, know, I think it always kind of helps to get yourself out of your shell and, right. and to support yourself. You know, it's, you're advocating for yourself that way, you know, it's almost like someone else is advocating. Exactly. That. Yeah. That's cool. Look at it that way. Yeah. Do you still keep up with the music industry? Yeah, I'm still in it. I still represent artists in it. I just, um, you know, I hyper focused on representing women. And right. so I have female clients. I do have a female clients in the music industry who I represented in the past and, and are in definitely in the category of woke men like Mondo Cosmo. But I, um, you know, I, I, and so, and I have, I, you know, I have clients uh, across all industries, but yes, I represent. Yeah women still okay yeah. this is a good question too because we're mother and daughter we have a very you know large range of listener age groups um mainly women but you know large large um age group range so when you say woke men we know what that is but i think a lot of people don't really understand the word woke and sometimes it <laughs> it kind of alarms them or they don't you know what i'm saying they're not comfortable with it they wouldn't know how to use it and things like that 
Well, to me, it's just men who think that women are equal to men. Right. Because <laughs> right. that's actually the real definition of a feminist. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. like belief in the equality of everybody, really. Right. You know. Right, right. Exactly. Oh, my goodness. That's yes. awesome. Any emerging artists that we should know about? Well, I love my artist. Um, I'm, you know, I love Mondo Cosmo, who's not really emerging, but like um, also uh, this woman that I'm representing, Say Grace. She's okay. so amazing. Her voice. You know her by the remake of You Don't Own Me. Ah. And so her voice is incredible, and she's just putting out this new album and a bunch of songs, and she is unbelievable. She's oh, only 23, the Australian, and like. Awesome. It's, it's Say, S-A-Y, Say Grace? S-A-Y, and then Grace is her name. Grace Rules is her name. Yeah. Wonderful. Tips on gaining self-confidence. You know, again, I think it's, it's about, you know, it's really about putting yourself, you, you know, you, ha you have to do it yourself. No one can do that work for you. Right. But, but it's also that tribe that you have around you that really is, is going to push you mm -hmm. and not let you give up mm -hmm. and not let you take things that are not, that are beneath you and, you know, when you deserve more. It's a really hard thing. It's no right, you know, real rhyme or reason, but just to know that you deserve to be in that room and your voice right. deserves to be heard regardless of what all the media says. You know, even if you aren't, the same weight or height or yeah. hair color or skin yeah. color or religion or socioeconomic yeah. background or able-bodied like or sexual orientation like no one was born on this earth better than anybody else you know yeah. we are all exactly the same That's so um, you know it, it's but it's not something that you can just like tell somebody right you really have to do mm -hmm. the work right. um, and it's hard you know yeah. it's hard yeah, everyone has imposter, and everybody has imposter syndrome and has insecurity. That's the other thing, is to realize that no right. one else knows any more than you. Right, you know? right. I agree. Somebody was talking about, um, they were about to work with someone, and another person said, she's a real piece of work. You know, and I said, well, to me, that would mean she's insecure, she, she needs affirmation, you know, you just have to, you know, usually, it, it just takes reinforcement and... And, you know, a long time ago, I read a book called Running with the Wolves. I don't know if you remember that book because you're young, but it's about being a feminist. And it was about taking these baby steps. The first time you stand up for yourself, then the next time it's easier. Then the next time it's easier. You know, it just takes practice yeah. Yeah. Um, to do this. Okay, so that leads right into advice for women navigating a male-dominated field. You know, I think it's a little bit of the same, really understanding that your voice matters. And in fact, if you're in a room full of all men, then your voice is more important than the rest of them because they're an echo chamber, right? right? And you're like, I provide this diverse view. The world is 50% female, okay? Not, Hello. you know, 50%. And so we deserve just an, you know, an equal voice. And so... Um, you know, having and making sure that's heard. And it's, look, it's really hard because in a lot of industries, you don't want it, you know, I know a lot of women in the music industry, it's like, they don't want to let you know you're a woman. Like, you know, yeah. no one wants to hear that. We already yeah. see that in elections, you know, 
Right. Um, the stuff, the vitriol that comes out that you would never say about a man. Right. Um, and so, you know, it's like just, just constantly knowing that your voice is just as important and they don't know anything more than, more than you just because. And it's, it's better to have some counter viewpoints and diverse understanding. Um, yeah. Absolutely. That's really what I would say. I feel um, someone was talking about, someone said to me, I feel a man said to me, I feel like it's, you know, that's the extinction of the white male, you know, and I was trying to explain, no one wants you to be extinct. We need you around. But, you know, so I think that's what we're dealing with too. Besides just trying to say it's a 50, it should be 50, 50. Now they're feeling threatened. So then they're on the defensive already. Yeah. Well, lifting women up is not putting men down. Right. 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 Like we're, it's not pie. It's not like we're only creating more jobs and every, article and data and research behind it is when you advance women you put a lot more money into the economy mm -hmm. right you give and women are apt to actually utilize trickle-down economics versus men like we will we will we won't use our money on buying a bunch of toys and private planes and more cars and more you know books <laughs> and more and and more you know watches like Maybe we buy more clothes and bags, but that's not like on the big major purchases. Right, right, right. We hire more women. We put them more to, you know, we put more women to work in other areas of our lives, you right. know. And so it's not, we. It, it actually builds the economy. It doesn't put them out of work. Oh, my goodness. That is the best answer. I love that. It is because, yeah, we can use it personally when people say yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god i know all those toys are just a little bit interesting where does your bravery come from to negotiate and get the best for your clients well i i mean i i just understand when they're being underestimated and you know it, it's just like how you know for me it's just natural i'm like to advocate and i and I started doing it, you know, originally what, you know, my biggest client base was black young male hip hop artists that were not taken seriously. And it was infuriating to me. And then, you know, that, that genre of music became more mainstream and, and, you know, people accepted it and, you know, um, it wasn't, you know, one big stereotype anymore. I was like, this is really important music. You know, it's called, it's helped bring culture, et cetera. And like, this is a valid art, you know, art form and the, and the people behind it are, are valid, you know, business people and creatives. So um, I just want to do that for women. And, and so to me, it's, it's, kind, it's just very natural. I don't really know where I got it. It was not nurture. It was like, right. it just, it just is in me to do that. But like, you know, I'm not a great advocate for myself at all. I need to hire lawyers. Remember right. when he offered me the job at Rock Nation, he, I was like, he's like, who am I going to hire for a lawyer now to do the deal? And I was like, who am I going to hire? So like, what? <laughs> get an attorney? And I was like, yeah, and he, an attorney that represents themselves as a fool for a client. So, <laughs> that's so it's so true. You can tell other people, but it's hard, like we said, yeah. to advocate for yourself. But we're gonna, we're all getting better at it. We can continue to encourage each other to do that. You were such an, such an inspiration. You had this kick-ass career. You had your twins. You started your own 
company, all of the things that you've done, how are you managing your time efficiently? I know that, you know, it's hard with kids and career and, you know, all that kind of stuff. How do you do it? I'm just juggling, you know, constantly <laughs> succeeding and failing in every day and just embracing it. Like, you know, especially now and it's summer and there's still a few weeks and I want to make sure we always go to Europe every year. Obviously we couldn't this year. Right. You know, it's just, you know what, I'm, I'm just trying to be like, take more pressure off myself and trying to get everything done. Right. Um, and how I get it done. But I do have a lot of help. You know, I have an amazing nanny that like couldn't do anything without and a good support system. And, right. um, you know, it's, uh, but it's a constant struggle and it's a battle. And, mm -hmm. you know, in the best of times, pre all of this, you know, I just had a really vigorous schedule and would keep myself on it. <laughs> I definitely need to hire somebody. That's for sure. <laughs> Exactly. I think it's like an ebb and flow. Sometimes the company needs more of you. Sometimes the kids need more of you. Exactly. They need more of you. You know, you kind of just have to, and then all of a sudden they're grown up. I know. Right. So there's no right answer. So everybody beating themselves up don't like nobody, nobody knows what they're doing in this That's situation right. and nobody has it right. That's right. Certainly right now. Are you taking new clients? So tell us more about an ideal client for you, just in case someone listening is interested. Yeah, we're all, you know, we're taking on clients. Um, look, I always like, you know, we, we only take on clients who really understand how important and it is that women are equal to men. Like they have to understand this and they have to, they have to um, really be, um, taking a step to do it. Right. Um, uh, and, and so, but any, any female founded business that really wants to grow and build. So businesses that need help in business advisory and strategy, um, you know, manage, we, we manage individuals that are building their brands and then we take on, you know, on the legal side, women negotiating their deals, women renegotiating their deals, or, you know, just doing it from a business kind of, you know, partnerships, strategy, um, sponsorships, you know, the general commercial contracts we do. Mm -hmm. And it can be in all different industries. For the most part, all the different industries. I mean, it's not like I've done aviation or, you yeah. know, pharmaceuticals. It's not just music or entertainment. No, it's not just music or entertainment. We have fashion, finance, um, film, TV, we have, um, you know, yeah. you know, women who are doing book deals, who are doing, cause you know, all that stuff is pretty general commercial contract work. But it's so important. For sure. Yeah. Okay. Where can people find you? They can find us on, um, at the justice department.com, but just D E P T.com. Okay. And um, at Jennifer Justice League and at the Justice Department.com. It's the Justice.dept on Instagram. Okay. Oh my Justice. goodness. Well, thank you for all this wisdom. We yeah. cannot wait to share this with our audience. Absolutely. Thank you. We appreciate you advocating, advocating for all of us women. Thank you. This was lovely. I love the mother-daughter team. Oh, thank you. Okay, everyone. We'll see you next time. If you like what you heard, 
tell a friend about our show, subscribe to our podcast, and also scroll to the bottom and give a rating and or a review. Those are the best ways for other people to find out about our podcast. See you next time. Bye.